Philippians chapter 2. While you're turning there, I want to give you a couple of things right quick to remember. Don't forget about our ministry marketplace coming up real soon. And if, you, if you're in charge of a ministry here in Central Baptist Church, if you're heading one up or overseeing it, we met Wednesday night. If you're not able to make it, I want you to be sure you see my wife after the service. If you do have your paper, be sure to turn that in because November the 3rd, a p.m. service, we will be having a, a, an expo, if you will, of all of our ministries out in the gymnasium and looking forward to that. Speaking of ministries of our church, just a few weeks ago, we officially got behind the Jackson Road Baptist Church up in Union. In Mississippi, and I just got back word this morning they saw two saved this morning in their service. So we're already seeing fruit from the church that the Lord's allowed us to plant there in Union, Mississippi. So keep Brother Robinson and the rest of the folks there in prayer as they continue to work. It is good to see so many of our folks uh, here tonight that have been out uh, with different uh, ailments and whatnot. Good to see Miss Judy back there and continue to remember them as uh, they're grieving through the loss, or I hate to use the word loss, the home going of her mom. And uh, good to see uh, Brother Hayden back this morning. Brother Baddow's back tonight. Had a little procedure, and we're thankful the Lord's allowed him to have good health. Miss Sherry was here this morning, and just thank the Lord for what he's done. And continue to remember a lot of folks in our church that are going through physical things. Uh, Miss Cummins will be having surgery in the morning. Want to pray for her here in just a few minutes. And I spoke to Brother Bob Miller uh, this afternoon. He's just had a rough go of it this weekend. He's had, a, I think, some respiratory things going on. Ask us to remember him. And so look around. You see some of our folks that would normally be here. We're going to lift them up here and prayer in just a second. Philippians chapter 2, if you're there, look down to verse number 5, and let's go ahead and stand. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5, and we'll read down to about verse number 8 or 9. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to bless the message, and pray for those that are away from us tonight. Father, I do thank you, Lord, that you are who you are, and you are who you say you are. Thank you, Lord, for being all-powerful, that even the waves have to stop where you decree. Father, I pray we would take courage in that and remember tonight who's really in charge. Lord, sometimes it's frightening living in this world as a Christian, and Lord, it's easy to feel like we are in the minority. But Father, help us to realize tonight that we're on your side, and that means we're always in the majority. And Father, I pray that we take courage from that. Thank you for the wonderful spirit. Thank you for the wonderful singing. Prepare our hearts for the message tonight. Be with our folks that are away. Thank you for those that are able to make it back. And Lord, I just pray you continue to be with those that have physical and heartaches tonight. And I pray for those that are away that you'd restore them and bring them back to us. For all you do tonight, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) I've mentioned many, many times uh, in, in preaching, illustrations and whatnot, about uh, opportunity I had several years ago to go to Uganda, Africa. And uh, I enjoy traveling and uh, experiencing different cultures and seeing different things. And as I was preparing the message tonight, I, I thought about an instance that will kind of help prepare the, the way with an illustration. Uh, we stopped at a waterfall there in Uganda. I can't recall the name of the waterfall. And we were all doing what Americans do, just taking pictures right and left. This was before the cell phones really got to where the cameras were, were anything decent. And so we're all having our big 35-millimeter cameras, and we're hanging them out the window taking pictures. We got out, and we're taking pictures. And lo and behold, here comes a government vehicle pulls up, kind of like a military jeep. And while we're standing there taking pictures, the gentleman steps out of the Jeep. They're all well-armed when they step out of the Jeep. And uh, they ask us if we had a permit for taking pictures of the waterfall. 
Well, I did not have a permit for taking it. I didn't know we needed one of those. And he says, well, he says, uh, since you don't have a permit, we're going to have to confiscate your cameras. And I remember several of us men that were on the trip, we just kind of chuckled under our breath like, yeah, right, try it. And uh, we're sitting there, and he says, no, I need to take your cameras now. And I says, you cannot do that. He says, watch me. And I says, listen, you, look, you can't do that. I'm, I'm an American, and I have rights and all of this. And uh, I went into the van to put my camcorder under the seat, and he follows me over, and he, the window slid horizontally. They didn't open like this. They slid this way. And as he walked over, he slid the window open with his AK-47, and he whispered some words to me that were profound. He says, you are not in America anymore. And then he grinned. I hated to agree with him, but he was right. I looked at our driver. Our driver's name was something I couldn't pronounce, so we called him Robert. And I looked at Robert, and I said, can he do this? He says, stop thinking like an American. I said, but I am an American. He said, but you're not an American anymore. So you can't think like an American. I said, what do I do? He says, think like a Ugandan. I said, well, how do Ugandans think? He says, give him $20. I gave him $20, and he let me keep my camera. The rest of the trip, I fought like a Ugandan three times, and I got to keep my camera, and I got to keep all kind of goodies, but I had to get out of the mindset of thinking like an American, you know? I'm an American. I have rights. You can't tell me what to do. And they just loved hearing that from me as they stood there with their, their high-powered rifles waiting to enforce what they desired me to do. Now, folks, I was thinking about that this afternoon in light of the scriptures that we just read and how often we as Christians, we live a new life. The Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. And that even goes for the way that we think. Aren't you glad tonight that God not only changes our eternal destination, but God changes even the way that we think? Aren't you glad that we don't have the same mind or we can have a new mind and God can change our mind from when we were lost to we were saved? But we need to understand tonight that in order to fulfill the will of God, conforming to the mind of Christ is something that we have to make a concerted effort to do. Because as I was in Uganda, my American mindset had stowed away. And even though I knew that I was not in America, I was still thinking like an American, and I was still making decisions like an American. And I realized real quick, when I was there, I was going to have to make it a point to think like a Ugandan. And so I went to an ATM and just kept a wallet full of $20 bills. It'll get you out of a whole lot of trouble. You said, that's bribery. Absolutely. I got to come home safe too, amen, and I brought my wife's, it was not my camera, it was my wife's camera, I got to bring it home with us, but I had to make a concerted effort to think differently, because it's so easy to just revert back to our old way of thinking, it's the same way spiritually, look, when you got saved, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, but because we live in a flesh body, that old mindset stows away in our heart. If you're not careful, even after you get saved, you will start using that old mindset. It's a slippery slope, and you slide right down into that old way of thinking again. So what do we need to do tonight? Well, Philippians chapter number 2 shows us how to conform to the mind, <coughs> excuse me, the mind of Christ. It's something that we have to make an extreme effort to be able to do. I'll give you an example of it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 4 the Bible says that those who look at our life after we get saved, they think it's strange that we run not to the same excess of riot. They look at our life, they look at the difference in us, and they, they think that it's strange. So you see, the lost world thinks the new way of thinking is strange. 
But can I tell you, the new way of thinking ought to look at the old way and think that's strange. There's something wrong when the new us doesn't think the old way of thinking is strange. It should be strange to us. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse number 21, what fruit we had then... When we, before we were saved, before our mind was changed, the Bible says what fruit we had then, we are now ashamed. Look, we ought to look back at the way that we used to think, we used to live, and we used to act, and it ought to be something that's shameful to us. We shouldn't look back at there and say, boy, gone are the good old days. I see some folks, I think they live that way. When they got saved, all the fun was over. Can I tell you, when I got saved, that's when the fun began. That's when living began. I'm so thankful that my thinking changed, and I look back at the life that I lived before I got saved. Look, I was only nine years old, but I was just as lost as somebody that was 99. I'm glad that he has a way of changing our mind, but we must conform to it. So tonight, I believe God shows us in these verses, <coughs> excuse me, but the Jim told me to bring a Bible study tonight on conforming to the mind of Christ. So we're just going to look at the thought of conforming to the mind of Christ, and I believe tonight that there's something here that God does want us to conform to. Now, oftentimes, preachers, we're guilty of telling you what not to conform to. I told you all about it this morning. We're not to conform to the world, but if we're not careful... We'll tell people what not to be conformed to, and we'll fail to tell them what to be conformed to. So let's see how God wants to change our mind tonight. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Key word there, let it. It's kind of like our light. The Bible says, let your light shine. That means you must allow it. You must enable it to do that. But notice the Bible says, who being in, form, uh, be in the form of God... Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Don't you notice that last part? He took upon him the form of a servant. Now, this is Jesus Christ, all right, who has spent, spent all eternity in heaven with his Father, and yet now we see him demoting himself, stepping down to become what the Bible says in verse number 7, he takes upon the form of a servant. Now that's something, let me tell you, you're going to have to actively do. That's not going to happen naturally. So Christ is giving us a pattern of how to conform to the mind of Christ. Number one, I believe the reason you can see that he did this was he recognized his will. He recognized his will. Now understand, Christ was willing to step down from the splendors of heaven to come down and put upon the form of a servant. He readily embraced that and accepted that. Why? Because he knew it was the will of his Father. Now understand this tonight, folks. You're going to find it hard to conform to the mind of Christ and to think the way that God would have us think after we get saved if we don't first accept the fact that it's the will of God. All in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Psalms, we see that Christ's life was prophesied. It was already part of God's plan. So when Christ came and humbled himself, made himself of no reputation, and took upon the form of a servant, he was submitting to the will of God. Now, folks, understand that when we conform to the mind of Christ, it is our submission of our will and our way of thinking to God's. You will never fulfill the will of God until you first conform to it. 
Be willing to accept what the will of God, whatever it is. The Apostle Paul says that it was his desire to serve God and to glorify God, whether it be by his life or his death, that was fully embracing the will of God for his life. Now, notice the Bible says in verse 7, he took upon him the form of a servant. I mean, look at the drastic change. From king of kings, they're on the right hand of his father, to taking upon the form of a servant. How did he do that? He recognized it was his father's will. We see all throughout scripture people who did and fulfilled the will of God in their life, but first they had to recognize that it was God's will. Perfect example is Joseph. Here's Joseph, and he's going through all of these tough bouts. I mean, his brothers, and he was in prison, he was lied upon, and all of these things we see culminate at the end. At the end of the story of Joseph where he is in Egypt with his brothers, what did he say to his brothers? He says, you meant it for evil. But he's about to show you that he understood why he was going through what he was going through. He says, but God meant it for good. He readily embraced, I mean, awful circumstances because he recognized it was his will. Now, folks, understand, if we're going to conform to the mind of Christ, we must understand that it's the will of the Father. It's kind of like the, the old show, the old story that they used to give, the old line. Uh, it's all part of the show. I was at an air show one time. My brother and his uh, in-laws, they go to air shows and fly in air shows, and he gets me free tickets, and so that's my favorite kind, and so I'll go, you know, to see what was going on, and we were at this air show. We got to get real close to the airstrip, and... Uh, I didn't realize what was about to happen was about to happen. We're standing there on the, on the runway, and all of a sudden, something explodes. Fireball shoots, and it's gone. Man, I am thinking something's bad wrong here. You know, terrorist attack. Something's going on here at this little Tallulah, Louisiana airport. And next thing you know, boom. And then here comes this airplane and smoke. And then they have speakers where you hear bomb. It's just fire going on everywhere. I, I was, they need to tell folks that's going to happen, you know. People like me who care about their families, who are defensive of their families, you know, when it's survival mode all of a sudden, and then you hear somebody come over the intercom and they say, don't worry, folks, it's all part of the show. Well, I was able to relax then, knowing I wasn't about to get blowed up. I was in commando mode. My wife saw a part of me that she's never seen before. She didn't know I was so agile and, and so defensive, but man, I was, I was into, the, into the spirit of it. But then as soon as I found out it was part of the show, it was easier to accept. Now Christ, the Bible says, he took upon, he embraced the, the role of a servant. He went from king of kings to the humble servant. Why? Because it was part of his father's will. Now folks, let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to swallow things that come along in this life when you know it's within the father's will. I've known people who've been laying there in the hospital bed. I've known people who have gone through trials on the mission field. They know that they're saved. They know that in the will of God, and they knew that nothing could get to them or come through their life that wasn't first green-lighted by God, and they're readily more available to embrace it because it's the Father's will. Now, folks, if we're going to conform to the mind of Christ, the way we're going to do that is by first recognizing His will. As Job went through all that he went through, what did Job say in the middle of the, of the book of Job? He says, he knoweth the way that I take. You know what Job was doing? He was acknowledging that what he was going through, he was trusting, was the will of his father. He was able to, how, does, how do people accept something like Job was going through? It was because he accepted it was the will of his father. 
Now, folks, when you know it had to get past God first, it's a whole lot easier to open the mail when it comes in the mailbox. The Bible says that he took upon the form of a servant. Why? Because it was his Father's will. It's a whole lot easier to conform to the mind of Christ if you will accept this is God's will for us. Do you know there's places and portions of Scripture? I'm not going to take the time tonight and read all of them to you. I'll read one to you in 1 Peter. The Bible says in verse 21, For even hereunto you recall, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Have you ever suffered persecution for the cause of Christ? You ever been ridiculed for the cause of Christ? You ever felt like an outcast for the cause of Christ? Doesn't feel good, does it? I'm telling you, I have feelings, believe it or not. Man, people don't want to be around you. People run from you in the grocery store. People don't answer their door when you know that they're home. You know, when you see people running from their yard, running into the house, you think it's like the IRS guy showing up. No, it's just a preacher. Man, that doesn't feel good. Because of who you represent, people don't want to be around you. But it's easier to accept. Why? Because Christ suffered and we are called to follow in his steps. He set the example. How did he do that? Because he knew it was his father's will. This morning we talked about cleaning out some of the clutter. And man, sometimes that's hard, isn't it? I can remember times in our life when, when my mom and dad were kind of on a fast track in ministry. Our life got turned up, and dad went from a construction worker to a pastor, it felt like, overnight. And our lives were changing. Our standards were changing. We weren't going these places, doing those things. I mean, it was changing overnight. Man, I remember dad. Now, look, we weren't bad people, okay? Man, I remember dad going through the VHS closet. For those of you that don't know what a VHS is, that's like a DVD, but it's on tape, okay, in kind of a square box. Wasn't a whole lot bad. There wasn't anything bad in there, really. We would call bad today. Matter of fact, we'd probably just call it comedy today, but it wasn't glorifying to God. And I remember dad throwing things out the window. I remember dad, I remember dad throwing things in a fire. He said, man, how drastic. Did you read Josiah this morning, how the Bible says he took hammers to all of that stuff? There is a precedent to that. And sometimes it's hard to clean out the clutter, but folks, it's a whole lot easier to accept when you know that's the will of your father. The Bible says that Christ readily took upon, he took it up, the form of a servant. The Bible says of no reputation. Why? Because number one, he recognized it was his father's will. Number two, I want to see something very important but very difficult. Verse seven, the Bible says of no reputation. No reputation. So he wants us to conform to a mindset of no reputation. Look at the next part. The form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Keep reading the Bible says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. The second thing tonight to conforming to the mind of Christ, I want you to recognize the work. The first thing is recognize his will. That's the why we should. Number two, the work in it is the things that we're called to in verse number seven and eight, those things are going to be work to conform to. I don't know about you, but it's not often that I don't want to be of reputation. Everybody wants their name in lights, don't we? Want everybody to recognize you. We count how many likes are on Facebook. We count how many hearts, you know, and it just hurts our feelings. when some, I'm just thankful they don't have a thumbs down on Facebook, don't you? Man, we broadcast our sermons here. Man, they'd be like face the thumbs down all the way across the board. I, I'm glad all they have is thumbs up. Man, it kind of hurts our feeling when, when somebody doesn't like us. It hurts our feeling when, when we don't get the notoriety. But notice the mindset. The Bible says, I want you to work to have a mindset of no reputation. Oh, that is work. Because my flesh wants to be first. 
The Bible says he took upon the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men and humbling. Can I tell you, those four boxes right there are hard to conform to. It's hard to conform to humility. It's hard to have a mindset of humility. I was telling somebody the other day, you'll never go wrong with humility taking the low road. You'll never go wrong. But this flesh does not like to be humble. I told you there's a man standing there with an AK-47, and I had the gall to pop off at the mouth to him. Why? Because humility is hard. Even somebody standing with you, staring at you with a gun. It's hard to conform to humility. It's hard to conform to being a servant. But this is the mindset that we're called to. That's the mind of Christ. The work in it is in verse 7, in verse number 8, that humility. Romans chapter 7, if you would turn there with me to your left. Romans chapter 7. Let's look at something real quick. Romans chapter 7. And look down, if you would, to verse number 19. Paul's fixing to illustrate for us the work of conforming to the mind of Christ. Verse number 19, for the good that I would do, would I do not. The evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I think Dr. Seuss took took some lessons from verse number 19. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Verse 21, I find then a law... When I would do good, evil is present with me. Now, can I tell you, look, Paul understands this work of conforming to the mind of Christ. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, O wretched man that I am. Do you ever feel like that? Conforming to the mind of Christ, you're trying to become that servant, you're trying to be humbled, you're trying to become like in the likeness of men, and yet you're finding, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? There's work involved in conforming to the mind of Christ. Paul says there's a war. There's a war in my members. Look, you're going to have to work to conform to the mind of Christ because it involves humility, and humility does not come natural to us. Being a servant does not come natural to us. I like being served. I was sitting on the couch this afternoon and usually have about an hour to kind of kick the brain in neutral before we get ready for tonight. My wife says, uh, lunch is ready. I know what that meant, Brother Jim. It meant get up and come to the table. But man, the couch is so much more comfortable. She looks over at me and she says, where do you want to eat? I says, I'd love to eat on the couch today. Not really on the couch, but sit at the couch while I'm eating at the couch. Some of you had a picture painted in your head. (laughs) No. And so I just sat there, and she brought my plate to me. Man, she brought a knife and a fork and brought my drink. Man, I like being served. But man, I don't like to serve. It doesn't come natural to this stuff right here. That's why there's work in conforming to the mind of Christ. Do you think it was easy for Joseph to go through all of that? Look, he did it, but I'm not going to say it was easy. Do you think it was easy for Job to go all through what Job went through? Do you think that was easy for him to endure all of the pain and all of the sorrow and all the ridicule? No, it wasn't easy. That's the work in conforming to the mind of Christ. He understood it was God's will, but buddy, sometimes you have to work to conform to the mind of Christ. This is the conversation we see in the book of Exodus when God calls Moses. God calls Moses and he tells him, I I want you to go to Pharaoh. And so here's what God is saying. Moses, here's the box that I want you to conform to. Moses is saying, I don't know if I'll fit in there. 
But I don't know that I can speak like that. I don't know if I can go to them. And God says, this is the box, Moses. I want you to fit and conform to that box. And Moses goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He says, God, I'm going to have to work my way into that box. Absolutely. Christ suffered. It was work for Christ to conform to the will of his Father. Why should it not be work for you and I? Mordecai had to use a probar to get Esther to fit into the box she was supposed to conform to. Esther's like, you know, I can't go in there before the king. That's not lawful. And Mordecai, he's kind of, aren't you glad that God sends people with crowbars from time to time? I'm thankful. I mean, God sends, I'm thankful for parents. I'm thankful for mentors. I'm even thankful for a godly wife from time to time who knows how to cleverly use a crowbar, not on my head, but to help me get to the place that God wants me to get. Aren't you glad for people that encourage us along the way? The passage I mentioned a while ago, 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to listen close to what verse 23 says. The Bible speaking of Christ, verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Notice, he didn't push back. But I love this next part. The Bible says in verse 23, 1 Peter 2, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. The word that I want you to see there is the word committed. Christ was committed to conform to the will of his Father. Folks, I want you to know the only way that you will conform to the mind of Christ and start thinking the way that God would have us to think that we could fulfill his will, you're going to have to be committed to conform to the will of your Father. There's no way you're going to do it. Look, this is not something you can just do weekend visits on. This is something you must be committed to that I'm going to fit the mold that what thus saith the Lord for my life. I want to fulfill the will of God, so I'm going to commit to the will of God. I'm going to tell you right there is probably where we lose most. Committing to be faithful to the will of God, regardless of what First Peter says was the suffering that he went through. When we moved to Louisiana, I found out that the people of Louisiana do not call their counties counties. They call them parishes. And I don't know how many times, my wife might be able to tell you, but how many times from the pulpit, we lived in Washita Parish, okay? O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A, amen, O-U-A-C-H-I-T-A. At first time, I thought it was Quachita. I really did. I thought it was Quachita, but no, it's Washita Parish. I don't know how many times from the pulpit, I would say, all you people in Washita County and you people out there, I love people who correct me while I'm preaching, by the way. Thank you for that, you know? Watch the talk, ah, Paris. And so I made it a point. From then on out, I was not going to say county. I was going to adapt to the new place. Why they call them parishes, I don't know. But they do. And I was going to get it right. And so the, as far as I know, the rest of the time that I was there, I called it Washita Parish. And let me tell you, I had to be committed to it. Now, folks, listen, as a Christian, we don't live where we used to live. Things are different. We think different. But you're going to have to be committed to the mind of Christ because you're not naturally going to be conformed to the shape of the will of God. I told you the other day I've taken up jello. I think I told you. I told somebody I was preaching to. I've taken up jello. That's my new thing. You need to rediscover jello. That stuff is just wonderful. Those little cups from Walmart just enough to make you mad. So I started making my own. You know, I'd eat a whole pack of those things at one setting. 
It's just amazing how you take that jello and you mix it up. And I found if you'll mix ice cubes in it, it sets quicker. And you don't have to have as much patience because that's just a, a pain. I have to sit there and wait for the jello to set. And so you mix ice in it instead of water in it. I'm glad, you, I'm glad I told you that because I'm sure you wanted to know. But that jello, it takes the shape of whatever you put it in. You just pour it over in there and it just takes the shape of it. I've, I've been put in this large casserole dish. It's not as good as the casserole, but I've been put in the casserole dish and nobody in the house seems to like it, so I get it all to myself. It's just as neat. It just fills that little shape up. I'm going to start pouring it into molds. Look, I am regressing. I'm going back to childhood, trying to stay young. Maybe my hair will grow back. But that jello just does it automatically. I, look, I wish conforming to the mind of Christ was as easy as jello. It's not. You're going to have to work to conform our mind to what God says is going to be difficult for the flesh, being humble, taking upon the form of a servant. How do we do that? Well, number one, we recognize it's God's will. Number two, we recognize it's going to be work. First Corinthians 9, very familiar passage, the Apostle Paul says in verse number 27, he says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. You read this passage of Scripture, the context of it, the Apostle Paul is speaking of a tussle. I keep under my body. The Apostle Paul says, this stuff right here wants to get out of the box. It's like a jack in the box. You, you give this flesh just a second, it's going to jump out of the mind of Christ. You're not naturally going to stay conformed to the mind of Christ. So Paul says, I keep under my body. and I love it. He says, I bring it. Sadly today, most Christians, their body, their life, their mind, their desires, it brings them. But God says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who lives inside of me is greater than this stuff right here. Aren't you glad? And through the power of God, the grace of God, I can bring my flesh along. I think the Apostle Paul, every morning he woke up and he told his flesh, you're coming with me today. How often do we wake up and our flesh starts telling us where we're going? If you're going, let's look, if you're going to conform and stay conformed to the mind of Christ, understand that God's will is work. Conforming to the mind of Christ is work. There's a reason the Christian life is called a race. There's a reason the Christian life is called a fight. There's a reason it's called a war. I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be neat if the Christian life was somewhere in Scripture compared to a walk in the park? Hebrews chapter 12 the Bible says, let us run the race that's set before us. Let us walk in the park. That is, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? It's not that way. You're going to have to work. So number one, recognize his will. That's how Christ did it. He recognized it was his Father's will. Number two, he recognized it was work. The Bible says that he worked through it. Now look at the end, verse number eight. I'll give you the last thing and we'll be done. The Bible says he became obedient. Oof, that's the tough part. Becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, I want you to notice what conforming to his father's will, the mind of Christ, notice what it cost him. It cost him his life. It cost him everything. I, I mean, he was willing to submit to the will of God all the way the Bible says obedient. You know, oftentimes we're obedient until persecution. We're obedient until it gets difficult. We're obedient until it costs us financially. We're obedient until the preacher says something that I don't like. We're obedient until the preacher preaches too long, okay? 
But the Bible says that Christ was so conformed. We're we're supposed to conform the mind of Christ. He was so submitted to his Father's will, he took it all the way to the death, the Bible says, and he even clarifies his death, the death of the cross. You know, there's one thing to take it all the way to death, but the death of the cross was death times a million. It was excruciating both physically and spiritually. So, how do we conform to the mind of Christ? Number one, recognize his will. Number two, recognize the work. And number three tonight, recognize the worth. Recognize the worth. Why was Christ willing? Why was Christ willing? Why was he willing to leave heaven? Why was he willing to come and to live and submit himself and be humble and be obedient unto death? Can I tell you? Because it was worth it to him. By the way, it is us. We were worth it to him. Can I tell you tonight why so often I have difficulty submitting to the mind of Christ? I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to bear my soul for you, okay? Oftentimes the reason I don't submit and conform to the mind of Christ is because at that moment in my life it must not be worth it. Or ultimately we would. I told you this morning about a lady who dug through thousands of pounds of garbage Why? Because what was in that garbage was worth it to her. Folks, Christ was willing to be obedient, conform to the will of his Father all the way to the death, the excruciating death of the cross. Look, the weight of the will of his Father was so great, he took it all the way to the cross. Why? Because it was worth it to him. Now, folks, the only way that we're going to conform to the will of God and the mind of Christ is it's got to be worth it to us. It's got to mean something to us. One of the saddest verses in Scripture, <coughs> excuse me, Psalm 78, verse 41, the Bible speaks of Israel, says, yea, they turned back. They turned back. Now, here they are on their way to fulfill the will of God. Man, God's prepared a land flow with milk and honey. Oh, the will of God's going to be great. But the Bible says, yea, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. Why? It wasn't worth it to them. Ultimately, it came down that to go and fight the Philistines and to fight the Canaanites that were there. They says their giants were as grasshoppers in their sight. They said, you know what? It's just not worth it. And I believe tonight the reason so many of us do not conform to the mind of Christ is ultimately it just doesn't boil down to something that means enough to us. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, <coughs> we see it illustrated in the life of Demas. The Bible says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now watch this, Demas left off from doing the will of God and chased the world, why? Because the world was worth more to him. He chased after what was worth more to him. Folks, do you know it's the same for you and I, that what we chase after will ultimately reflect what we thought was worth it. In the mind of Christ, if it's worth it to us, we'll submit to it, we'll commit to it, be obedient to it, even unto death. The tough news is there's a price to be paid for thinking like Christ. There's a price to be paid in 2019 for thinking like Christ. You will pay a price for it. The Apostle Paul paid a price for it, did he not? The disciples, they paid a price for it. Job paid a price for it. Listen, all throughout Scripture we see examples of those who paid a price for conforming to the mind of Christ. That's the bad news. I like to end on good news. The good news is you get way more than you paid for. Aren't you glad? 
The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 says, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witnesses that bonds and afflictions, they're waiting on me. They're waiting on me. The Apostle Paul says, There's trouble ahead, but he embraced it. Why? Because he knew it was the will of his Father. And he was willing to work. Why? Because he thought it was worth it. He's got to ready to have his head chopped off. The Apostle Paul says, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. By the way, he's not crying the blues. I fought a good fight. I've, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He says, hey, it was worth it to me. Now, here's our question tonight. Conforming to the mind of Christ, thinking the way he would have us think in a world where that's unpopular to think, it's going to cost us. But I want you to know it's worth it. And oh, eternity will pay us back so much more than it cost us down here. Philippians chapter 3 Turn over to your right. We're almost there. Just one page over. We'll turn there to keep me honest. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse number 7. <clears throat> Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Paul says, I, I gave it all up. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. You know, people always look at Christians, and then Christians give up a lot to follow Christ. We don't give up near as much as the generations before us. But we give up some things. We don't go certain places. We don't do certain things. We don't live certain ways, and we give up things. And the world thinks, man, you gave that up for nothing. But notice Paul says, I didn't give it up for nothing. He says, I suffer but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. It's for something. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Folks, can I tell you something? The reason the Apostle Paul was willing to embrace the tough will of God he embraced and conformed to the mind of Christ. Oh, how difficult it was at times. How did he do that? He recognized it was his Father's will. Number two, he recognized he was going to have to work. And number three, he recognized that it was going to be worth it. Here's what's interesting. Stick with me. I'm closing my Bible, but stick with me. The Apostle Paul had a secret that I think we all need to adopt tonight. He started thinking down here the way that he was going to think up there. You see, the mind of Christ, thinking the way Christ does, that's how we're going to think in eternity. So the Apostle Paul says, I want to get a head start. I'm going to start thinking like that right now. That way when I get up there, it's no surprise or shock to me. You know, some folks that don't enjoy church, I'm kind of wondering how they're going to act in heaven. I'm going to kind of sit around the corner and watch them. They're going to kind of be, oh... This is what I signed up for? Yeah. Singing all the time? Yeah. Man, worshiping God all the time? Yeah. Can I tell you, if, if we want to get ahead of the curve, why don't we start thinking now the way we're going to think later? By conforming to the mind of Christ. Anybody who ever did anything for Christ, you'll see and you'll hear that they, at some point in their life, conformed to the mind of Christ. They started thinking like him. One of my favorite missionaries is Jim Elliott. You know the quote all too well, but boy, let it sink in a little bit tonight. Jim Elliott, who died there on the Aukin Indians in Ecuador, was killed by the people that he went to reach. This is a magnificent story. The great, great quote that he left behind was, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott started thinking down here like he was going to think up there. And as he died and he drew his last breath and was, as the song sang a minute ago, ushered through the gates of glory, I'm going to assure he'd come, if he could come back, he'd tell you it was worth it. It was worth it conforming to the mind of Christ. So how do we do that? Number one, recognize his will. Whether it's good times or bad, when you recognize the will of God, conform to the mind of Christ. It's going to be tough. That's where you have to recognize the work. Look, you may have it down pat today. Look out, you won't tomorrow morning. It's like it resets at midnight. I, you know, sometimes I'll go to bed spiritually and wake up cranky. What happens? I don't know. I think the devil has a Sandman demon. He comes in there and messes with my head at night, and I wake up in a bad mood. Here we go again with the boxing match. Tell my flesh, you're going to follow me today. Tell my mind, you're going to conform to the mind of Christ today. Because one day I'm going to trade this vapor of a life for an eternity with him, and I want to have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. But you've got to let God change your mind. And that begins right now during the invitation. So our heads bow tonight, our eyes closed.